Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett at CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato from MediaMonarchy.com. I don't know what stomach there would be for stories about societies falling apart. We've got that story plus scenes from an informant restaurant. But first, ousted whistleblower warns of darkest winter in modern history. That's pretty tough words. Ousted vaccine chief Bright to warn window of opportunity is closing for virus response. Now, we are actually, this is behind the scenes, taping this on the 13th here in the States. But the way media works when there's these big events and testifying and all that stuff, they release their pressed written statements way ahead of time so that the news can get their hands on them. So there's PDFs of what this guy is going to testify, and he will have already testified by the time you're watching this. Again, you get your news before it's news from New World next week. A top vaccine doctor who was ousted from his position in April testifies that the Trump administration was unprepared for the coronavirus and that the U.S. could face the darkest winter in modern history if it doesn't develop a national coordinated response. Rick Bright, the former head of the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, BARDA, tells Congress that leadership at the Department of Health and Human Services ignored his warnings in January, February, and March about a potential shortage of medical supplies. He will testify that HHS missed early warning signals, like bin Laden determined to strike in U.S. Bright's testimony also reiterates claims from a whistleblower report he filed last week that alleges he was ousted over his attempts to limit the use of hydroxychloroquine, an unproven drug touted by President Trump to treat the coronavirus. It's, it's also touted in that 2003 episode of The Dead Zone. More on that in a moment. I continue to believe that we must act urgently to effectively combat this deadly disease. Our window of opportunity is closing. If we fail to develop a national coordinated response based in science, I fear the pandemic will get far worse and be prolonged, causing unprecedented illnesses and fatalities without clear planning and implementation of the steps that I and other experts have outlined. 2020 will be the darkest winter in modern history. We will include the links to his entire pretty massive statement, Scientific Integrity in the COVID-19 Response, statement of Rick Bright, PhD. Meanwhile, this is pretty much the battle of who has less integrity. Colleagues paint mixed picture of ousted vaccine chief. Whistleblower Rick Bright makes a powerful case against Swamp Thing, but he might be pressed about his own claims and his own record. Now, James, this is, again, this is going to be the massive news in the news cycle, again, pr pretty much 16 hours from now as we're taping this. But I believe there's extra significance in this language used. I think so many of these ideas, memes, which are mind viruses, have been purposefully seeded into the pop of culture for decades, generations. I will include the link for folks if they haven't seen it. Dead Zone TV episode, Plague, from 2003, has coronavirus from China, a lockdown, and chloroquine as the treatment. Dean Koontz, Tom Clancy, Michael Crichton, Aldous Huxley, H.G. Wells, Orson, George Orwell, Simpsons, Black Mirror, on and on. I think my main point, James, is being something we've discussed before, but it is worth mentioning again. On June 22nd and the 23rd, 2001, just under three months before 9-11, the U.S. military held a senior-level war game at Andrews Air Force Base called Dark Winter. The scenario of this bioterror drill was designed to simulate a smallpox attack, and as part of this war game, the most stunning part, scripted TV news clips were made, fake news, to help make this drill as realistic as possible. I uploaded all five of those Dark Winter videos to my YouTube channel in March 2008. They are definitely must-see. So, James, as I throw this back to you, I think, one, 
Do you think this is intentional use of language, meant to be some sort of signal, dog whistle, for the next step in this scamdemic? And two, if this is the new 9-11 in slow motion, is this basically the Richard Clark character saying, oh, your government failed you? Yes and yes. Um, it is certainly significant that the phrase dark winter is now being used in regards to this second wave that they have been predicting into reality for some time now and which I think is coming. Um, because specifically, I think the public has not yet been broken uh, in order to truly bring in the new normal, in order to truly convince the pu public that we have entered into a new era of history where nothing will be the same. It, we need more than just the month or two long vacation of enforced unemployment and other things. I mean, if things just suddenly return back to normal, well, then we could just gradually forget that this ever happened. But don't worry, there will be lots and lots more death and carnage and destruction in this darkest winter that we're stumbling into, which serves a lot of purposes, political as well as social as well as economic and i think this is the uh yeah this is clearly a signpost that that's where we're heading into and interestingly the only other person that i've heard use the term dark winter actually referring to the dark winter exercises in the mainstream during this entire scandemic has been of course none other than bill gates who in the course of denying uh, the existence of Event 201. Uh, you might remember back a few weeks, um, about a month ago on BBC, he was saying, we didn't simulate this, we didn't prepare for this. <laughs> but we did have exercises, you know, 15 year years ago, or 18 years ago, called Dark Winter. And he did mention that specifically, but then he said that he just glossed over the existence of Event 201. Anyway, so yes, I think clearly this is an interesting sign of what is to come. And I think that they're going to have to make this dark winter into reality one way or another. One could hope it will be simply by scamming and statistical chicanery and other such things, but real bioweapons really do exist, and they really could release them to really release some real carnage on the world in order to really make the death toll go up, in order to really convince people that this is the end of the world as we've known it. Um, one other interesting po point I want to bring up about this guy and his testimony. As you say, I mean, every single headline is leading with this darkest winter quote, uh, AP and Washington Post and all the usual suspects, CNN and others. Um, but you notice that he is throwing shade at the hydroxychloroquine um, solution. But if you actually read the testimony, go and read on the second page. I found it particularly interesting where he says, uh, uh, when he's talking about getting ousted for, as director of BARDA, he says, I believe this transfer was in response to my insistence that the government invest funding allocated to BARDA by Congress to address the COVID-19 pa pandemic into safe and scientifically vetted solutions and not in drugs vaccines and other technologies that lack scientific merit. I don't, I would say that, that he just misspoke. He couldn't, he couldn't be saying that about vaccines. This was a vaccine developer. He was a vaccine researcher, but that's in the written testimony. So I don't know. He's saying vaccines are, lack scientific merit and shouldn't be being pursued in this case. I've, I think that's the real lead of this story that I haven't seen anyone pick up on. Um, anyway, I thought that was interesting. I, hopefully some Congress critter will, will mention that during the, the grilling. So that's interesting, man. It's almost like in some ways Bill Gates is saying too much in all of these massive amounts of interviews. I mean, Colbert had to correct and be like, dude, don't say final solution. And really recently, what is, uh, so we've got Fauci and we also have Burks. Again, all these shadows on the wall characters playing out this 
again, scripted live scenario drama, essentially, Dr. Burks basically has said, according to the Washington Post, that she can't trust the CDC at all and that they've inflated the numbers by 25%. But whatever, we should all still be buying into the scamdemic. James, let's move to our second story this week on New World Next Week, episode 408. This is for May 14th, 2020. And again, it's it's all Rona all the time. And we've been talking about this stuff not only for these last three months, but we've basically been talking about the scenarios and the situations and the technology and the psychological operations that have gotten us to the point where we are now for the previous decade here on New World Next Week. Bars, restaurants allowed to reopen if they agree to snitch on customers. An excellent article from Mass Private Eye going over in detail how counties in Louisiana, Texas, and Missouri are all trying to roll out this action. Meanwhile, even the Seattle Times is reporting Washington State restaurants will have to keep a log of customers to aid in contact tracing. Since everything, of course, is moving at warp speed, like we're going to make those, of course, wildly untested vaccines at warp speed, I think we should jump here to the most recent development, which would essentially be the reaction. This from KansasCity.com, and again, everything we say will always be included in your show notes, so you can continue the research for yourself. Kansas County orders businesses to track customers. Lawsuit calls that unconstitutional. A rural eastern Kansas county has ordered businesses to keep track of their in-person customers by recording phone numbers and arrival and departure times during the pandemic, a move that has led to a federal lawsuit. The publisher of the local newspaper and a restaurant owner in Lynn County, L-I-N-N County, Kansas, both want the order blocked, contending it authorizes warrantless searches and seizures, which it very obviously does. They also suggest the county would have to produce lists of customers under the Kansas Open Records Act. So for the same reason we find out about all the Karens who have been calling the snitch lines, they're going to find out who all these people are. So essentially it would be like, oh, the Jameses, they went to this certain bar on this certain date and then they left at this time. And you know it's going to include how many people spend cash. Fortunately, cash is still pretty much king down here in New Mexico. But that's not really the case elsewhere. So they're going to have all those debit card records as well. And don't forget to check in on your smartphone. This would, of course, allow the public to see who the plaintiffs are meeting with and how long, including visits, of course, to medical providers. As don't forget, this is medical martial law. The order's the latest flashpoint, as KansasCity.com says, over public health and personal freedom in Kansas. So let's see. The problem is trying to make restaurants, and as the article says, virtually every other business, if you read the articles in full, James, who would have thought that hairdressers and salons and barbershops would be like the front line of the fight against the New World Order? The reaction then is, we're going to sue you. So what's the solution going to be, James? Well, the solution that they want to bring in in all of this is medical martial law. That's what you're saying. And uh, I think that's exactly it. They're going to proclaim, well, this is an emergency scenario and we need to treat this seriously because public health is in danger. So we can do whatever we want. Rubber stamp. You can now, you you not only can, but you must track your customers as some of these governors are are starting to implement uh, in this reopening. And this is, I mean, this is where absolutely the rubber meets the road with regards to this entire issue. So their solution, of course, is going to be rewriting all, well, not even rewriting the rules because there's already know your customer type 
laws in place for anything that deals with anything financial. I mean, if you run a cryptocurrency exchange or whatever, you have to have like 18 forms of ID and your blood and your next of kin and your DNA and whatever else in order to have an account. Well, now they're just going to extend that into the meat space, the physical world. Anywhere you go, restaurants or whatever, movie theaters, you'll have to sign a form and have 14 pieces of ID and whatever else. So it's really just an extension of laws that already exist. The real solution, though, not the phony solution that they're trying to bring in, the real solution is going to be economic civil disobedience, not following orders, not complying. If you are a business owner, not taking your customers' details and recording them dutifully and all of this. Oh, no, but you might face prison time. Well, that's actually kind of the point. And... I am loath to provide this example because people who have followed my work for some time might know I am not a fan of this this person, but yes, let's put it on the table. Elon Musk has been one of the people standing up for some of these ideas in uh, in recent times, as you may or may not have noticed in his fight with California. And uh, for example, Fee.org has a, a post up, Tesla's Elon Musk defies government orders in an act of economic civil disobedience. So yes, I am not a fan of Elon Musk and his various scams or his literal techn- technocratic leanings or the fact that his grandfather was literally a member of the Technocratic Party of Canada and he, he's called for the creation of the Martian technocracy and all of this. And he talks about how we need to merge with the machines so that AI doesn't take over or whatever, all that kind of nonsense. But at least on this issue, although I think particularly and solely for self-interested reasons, at any rate, he is on the right side of this and has been, I think, articulating that. But uh, for people who need a little bit more articulation of why it is no, this is not in the benefit of most billionaires to end the lockdowns. Oh, if you're for ending the lockdowns, you're for the billionaires and and plutocrats. No, 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 no. And uh, uh, if you want more on that, you should go to offguardian.org. Opposing lockdown is not profits before people, where Kit Knightley puts that quite strongly and quite articulately, that no, the average person who has been thrown out of work, the average low-wage low earner who is now literally unable to feed themselves because of this lockdown, is not for the billionaires because they want a chance to be able to go out and earn some money and put their food on their family's table. And uh, anyway, it's an important point to make, but the point is... Economic civil disobedience will be necessary because they are going to push this as far as they possibly can and do not rely on the courts to uphold the the, the rule of law. Don't worry, guys. The courts have totally got this and they're going to protect you from this type of invasion of privacy. They are not. I think we all know that by now. No, it is going to happen when people put their foot down and do not comply with these types of orders and do not support businesses that do comply with them. Um, again, easier said than done, but if we don't do it, it's, it's going to happen. This is going to be the new normal. Downside would basically be before you can go eat lab grown meat and crickets at the company restaurant, you'll have to take your biometric temperature and log your visit with the state or possibly, and these, I guess, aren't mutually exclusive. Like you're talking about civil disobedience. Some of these restaurants could act like they're dutifully doing it, but basically feed the system garbage information. Garbage in, garbage out, making it therefore useless. Just just one idea to basically be able to push back against this without, again, having armed thugs come and arrest you in front of your family. <sighs> Finally, James, a perfect media monarchy story, I suppose. I've, I've found myself thinking a bunch about, uh, and I want to do more, uh, more in, you know, further segment on media monarchy, 
about a one-off UK TV movie from 1985 called 20 Minutes Into the Future. Because I think that's pretty much where we are right now. Satire, sci-fi is reality, and now even the writers and creators of satire sci-fi know this. The Age of Rona has Black Mirror creator writing comedies instead. Charlie Brooker has said that he's not sure if audiences could stomach another season of Black Mirror at the moment. In a new interview with RadioTimes.com, Brooker suggested that the public mood doesn't suit another season of his dystopian anthology series. When asked about another season, Brooker said, quote, I've been busy doing things. I don't know what I can say about what I'm doing and not doing. Sidebar, of course, that means other people own your work when you're not at liberty to say, oh, what? I'm, oh I can't even talk about the things because, of course, other corporations already own my ideas before I've written them down. Sidebar. I don't know what I can say about what I'm doing and not doing. At the moment, I don't know what stomach there would be for stories about societies falling apart, so I'm not working away on one of those. I'm sort of keen to revisit my comic skill set, so I've been writing scripts aimed at making myself laugh. And Charlie Brooker already has another show coming up. BBC Two confirms Charlie Brooker's antiviral wipe. I guess they have these series of something something wipe. I had to research that to find out what on earth they were talking about during the half hour episode. Brooker, the creator of Black Mirror, will look at what we've all been watching while stuck in quarantine. So speaking of that, I hear James, there's this great, like, horror sci-fi miniseries about this this little sniveling little, like, computer nerd worm. He comes from this, like, family cult of, like, playing serial killers, and he wants to force experimental drugs on this slave-like population. They're all addicted to, like, Soylent Green and Running Man TV shows. It's called, like, Kill Bill Gates of Hell, something like that. What have you been binging on, James? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, what I've been binging on, all I've been doing, unfortunately, for the last several weeks now is watching Bill Gates interviews, reading books by and about Bill Gates, and looking at Bill Gates' and, uh, website and all of this. So, yeah, I'm neck deep in Bill right now. But, um, yeah, on the story of Charlie Brooker and uh, Black Mirror, I I'll confess, I still have never seen an episode of Black Mirror. I research this for a living. I don't need to watch sci-fi to, you know, get some window in the future. I already know what's coming. But I'm glad that, at the very least, more people seem aware of these issues because of the predictive programming. Does that mean that they are more or less likely to stumble into it? That's the real question. At any rate, uh, yeah, this is kind of like what we've talked about before with regards to, you know, The Onion. Remember back when they were funny? Uh, and then it became... Well, no, this is not The Onion, guys. This is real. Because at a certain point, the satire starts to blend with the reality until what are we even satirizing anymore? So uh, in this case, yeah, the predictive programming is just is just the news. It's now, it, you know, is this Black Mirror or is this the news? I, I don't know. I can't tell anymore. Okay, let's do something different. So unfortunately, this is this is what we're, we're getting into. And uh, it does really raise the question, the profound question of... Uh, is there a is there a sense in which you can have this type of dystopian warning that isn't predictive programming that isn't just preparing people for what's coming that actually shakes them out of their cage? Given the fact that most people, when they are consuming this material, are sitting there like this, you know, just zombies. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't know if that's really possible because all television does is put you into a zombie state, a passive zombie state, watching. Um, on, uh, images flash by on your screen, which of course is the metaphor for the cave. 
That's what it is. We are just watching shadows on the wall, and we're not actually interacting with reality. That's what TV does to you. So can you have a TV show that shakes you out of that? Not unless you have a TV show that encourages you to actually smash the TV into pieces. That's, James, I think, in a lot of ways, you know, again, I call it media monarchy. I, of course, have spent a lot of time in film and all that different. Anymore, though, I really, any, I, I, just, I read about it. It's a much more efficient way, and in a lot of ways it helps you keep a bit of an arm's length distance to a lot of the programming. You're able to research it, but also maybe not have it sort of play on you. People do really seem to be pushing back this time, James. It certainly hasn't taken 19 years for people to figure out this latest scam, which might, of course, just make the powers that shouldn't be push it that much harder, and then we'll keep pushing back that much harder again in the ways that we do, non-violent ways, where we, again, remove our consent and decentralize. This isn't about getting in the streets and fighting. Remember, the, the man know, knows really well how to deal with that. So, as I always like to wrap up these episodes, James, just by inviting people to come check out my radio stream, eight hours a day, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, news, music, memes, and more. I think it's like old-school radio station. People, I find, are just basically leaving it on. Not that it's just some wallpaper background thing, but that they maybe are there and catch the morning show, but maybe they had to step away and do something for work or the kids or what have you. And then they come back and check out a little bit of it later in the afternoon. I think it's like a radio station. I hope folks come check it out. MediaMonarchy.com slash listen. If they click actually through that Discord widget, they can come get a free pass for a limited time and check out, I think, pretty awesome chat stream. James. All right, and just the deprogramming note from my side, as people may have noticed, yes, I'm not putting any other material out right now because Brock and I are working 24-7, nonstop, uh, obsessively on this next Gates installment. Uh, it will take a little while. It may not be available on Friday. At any rate, it will be up when it's, when it's ready, and uh, it will be hopefully not too long from now. But anyway, you'll just have to sit tight and wait for it because that's what we're working on right now. That being said, looking forward to another edition of New World next week. Next week, James, thanks again. Thanks so much, buddy. Take care.